Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. But yeah, I want to thank you for uh, being here. My name is Virgil Moore, and I'm a disciple maker. Uh, and I'm about making disciples, and so are you. Uh, I think Elder Sam is the only other disciple maker we have in here. <laughs> uh, but I pray that you gain hold of it. Um, we are still talking about discipleship, and, and so even in preparing for this, I, I felt like, gosh, we've been on this since the beginning of the year. And um, I was like, Lord, what are you trying to say in this? And he reminded me that um, whenever there's a, a lesson to be taught over and over again, that means that it, we didn't catch it the first time. <laughs> um, and so he wants you to get it. You know, so no matter how many times, and then that the grace and mercy of God that no matter how many times we need it, he's going to be here to give it to us. And so uh, if you missed it the first 20 times this year, um, and maybe you heard it and it didn't catch hold of your heart, and maybe you heard it and you didn't put it into practice, uh, or you put it into practice that week and then you lost it, and uh, for whatever the reason is, there is an opportunity to take opportunity today uh, to get it right, um, to proclaim in your life that you are a disciple maker, uh, and to grab hold of that word, and to go forth and make disciples. Um, That's what being a disciple, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are, you have the opportunity, and uh, I think God desires you as a great commission. God commissions you, commands you to go out and make disciples. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, this is Discipleship 101. We're going to look at um, three different characters in this series. And this, uh, Sam, I mean not Sam, Ed said, you know, this has been really good because you just come up with discipleship at so many different ways and, you know, so many different stories in the Bible and uh, different things that we can connect that maybe you didn't get it the first time and you heard it a different way the second time or the fifth time or the tenth time. Uh, so this time, I know that we have talked about the discipleship grid and how you have Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. And Barnabas is in the middle and everyone should have a Paul. So a Paul is someone pouring into you. And a Barnabas is the person, your friends, that may be pouring into your life and doing life with you. And then Timothy is you, Barnabas, pouring into uh, someone else. So. And so we're going to look at some characteristic, characteristics of Barnabas this time. Just three different things. I'll give you a little bit of background and just have you ponder on some things. And maybe this week um, you will glean hold of some characteristics of Barnabas yourself. Um, so God wants us, God wants us, or you, <laughs> wants to use you to help others grow. Um, he wants to use me to help others grow. I mean, that is what discipleship is. He's using you to help other people grow. So let me have you just close your eyes or just meditate for a moment. Think about who or what was most impactful in your spiritual growth. You know, it might have been a leader or a pastor, uh, a youth leader. It may have been just a, the pastor of the church. It, might, it didn't have to be anything specific or intentional, which is, is good if it is. Um, but sometimes when you're younger, you don't realize that that's what discipleship was or, it, or that's what was going on in your spiritual growth. But think about what or who was impactful in your spiritual growth and what they did, 
influence your spiritual growth, your spiritual development, your conversion story or whatever that is in that process, who or what those people did. And then ask yourself, and this is rhetorical, you don't have to find out loud or raise your hand, but are you doing that for someone else? So as impactful as someone else was to your spiritual growth, now are you being as impactful to other people? Um, in your sphere of influence, are you developing people uh, in their spiritual walk? Quiet, yeah. <laughs> All right, you're thinking about it. Good. All right, so we're going to jump into Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 28. And we're going to be there. I've got a lot of different scriptures. Thank you, Ivy. Um, <laughs> I don't think we'll get to all of them, um, but we're going to just kind of run through some of this. Uh, Acts 9, 26 through 28. And it says, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. They had right reason to be afraid of Paul or Saul at that time. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road. So this is Paul declaring to the apostles how he had seen the Lord on the road and how he had spoken, the Lord had spoken to him, and how he preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus, and how he was with them at Jerusalem coming and going uh, out. So he was with them with, uh, with, with them at Jerusalem, coming and going out. And he was preaching with them. And this was only happening because of Barnabas. Barnabas stuck his neck out for Paul, for Saul at that time. So Barnabas is a Levite from Cyprus. His real name was Joseph, or Joseph. Uh, Acts 4.36 says, and Joseph who was also named Barnabas, that's his nickname, by the apostles, was translated to be the son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So this is Barnabas, also known as Joseph. Isn't it, uh, I have a, who, how many of you have nicknames? You can raise your hand if you have a nickname. You don't have to yell it out. I, I have one. Uh, I have several you know how family is. You have some family that will call you different things, and someone else will call you something else. Um, I have a cousin, an older cousin, almost like older as his aunt, um, who called me Kojak, and she still calls me Kojak even now. And she said that I was a little bald, chubby baby <laughs> when she first saw me, and I looked like the character Kojak. And I'm aging myself because many of you probably don't know who Kojak is. But <laughs> And so even now, at my 40-something-year-old self, she will still call me Kojak. And I don't look anything like that guy, but uh, <laughs> some things just stick. Uh, but, you know, and there will be different people have different names, uh, nicknames that family gives you. Some of them you care not to let anyone else know but your family. And only your family can call you that. And if anyone else calls you that, you strangle them. <laughs> some of them are secret. You, won't, you don't want anyone to know that nickname. But... Uh, the nickname that Joseph had was Barnabas, which was encouragement. Now, that's a nice nickname to have, right? If, if anyone's going to give me a nickname, Kojak and Barnabas. I would take Barnabas, that <laughs> son of encouragement, over Kojak. Uh, and that's funny because I think about it because Kojak is a character, uh, a fictional character from TV show. And I'm actually named after 
Uh, my mother liked Sydney Portier, but she didn't like the name Sid, word, word, name Sydney because she thought it was a girl's name. So she named me after Sydney Portier's one of his characters, Virgil Tibbs. Hence how I got the name Virgil. Yeah. It's a long story. <laughs> I think my name is this. The word is one out of my two brothers and two sisters. They have more normal sounding names, and I got stuck with Virgil. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so anyway, I digress. Uh, so Barnabas, his nickname was Barnabas because he was son of encouragement. Uh, the nickname was given to him because he had an inclination to serve others. Uh, and he was referred to as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. In Acts eleven twenty-two through 24, it says, The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them. Again, he's an encourager, so he encouraged them, all with the purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord because of his discipleship, because his witness, because he was an ambassador, and he was doing great things for the Lord. And he wasn't just, uh, so that's some background on Barnabas. And so we're going to jump right into three things that we can get uh, gleaned from Barnabas and his character and his life um, that we may want to incorporate in our discipleship story uh, that will ignite us to go out and add to the Lord. Not add to the church at this point, but add to the Lord (laughs) Uh, souls to be saved. So the first thing is that he had a spirit of encouragement. It's a given, right? Barnabas, son of encouragement. He had a spirit of encouragement. And this was not just a spirit of just saying, oh, saying nice things or just patting someone on the back and saying, oh, that's really good. Uh, but the Greek word here is paraklesius. Paraklesius. It's almost like paraclete, which is the Holy Spirit, but it's different. Paraklesius means intimate call. Someone personally delivers the verdict for you. It also means that someone walks beside you intimately. They know you well. Uh, It's a personal urging of the Holy Spirit to walk with individuals. Exhortation, warning, encouragement, comfort. It reveals how the Lord weighs on an individual uh, with relevant facts about that person. And this almost has a court-related kind of meaning because... This person intimately knows you and can speak on your behalf to give the verdict about what your, what your, what your life is. And then it's so true when we look at how, what Barnabas did for Paul. Paul was, I mean Saul at this point, was a persecutor of the church. And I think we lose that because Paul, Paul, Saul, now Paul, has written half of the New Testament, over half of the New Testament, and has some really great words to share. He was on fire for the Lord. And we know that Paul. But sometimes we forget that that same guy murdered Christians. He was adamant about destroying the church. So much so that when he came to these disciples at his conversion, they said, we don't, have, we don't want anything to do with him. What do you mean this guy has been converted? How many times... 
um, you know, I guess sometimes in high school you know someone who was a harlot and a wild person and then they get saved. You know, like, not that person, right? Sometimes we limit, <laughs> put limitations on God when there is no limitation on God and his grace and his mercy. And aren't we grateful because of that? Because we are partakers <laughs> of that limitness, limitlessness of his grace and mercy. So Barnabas realized, hey, Barnabas knew Paul's story. Barnabas knew that Paul, this is the guy that was persecuting the church. And now he's coming before the disciples wanting to be in this group. And they were like, no, we don't, we don't want anything to do with him. And they kind of walked away from him. But Barnabas had a spirit of encouragement, meaning that he was willing to walk alongside Saul. He saw, he knew the truth of what God had done in his life. He wasn't putting boundaries on what God could do. He wasn't judging him from his past, but he was judging him from what the, what the future that he saw in him. And so he had a spirit of encouragement, meaning that I'm willing to go the long way with Saul. I realized that he had a troubled past. I realized there were things in his, his life that weren't kosher to what we're wanting to do at this time, but I do also realize that God redeems. God is a forgiving God. God loves us. And he doesn't judge us off of our past. He judges us of the cross and the blood that is shed for our lives by his son, Jesus Christ. So he had a spirit that's willing to go the distance with Saul, even knowing his past. So, one, you have a spirit of encouragement. The second thing we need to, we can glean from Barnabas is that he saw past Saul's faults and sins. And he saw him the way God sees him. As a disciple, as a child of God that has been redeemed. How many times do, do is there limit to God's redemptive power? <laughs> Is there a limit to God's redemptive power? And so, so many times we judge, we ourselves judge, who we share the good news of the gospel with because we're looking at the outward appearance. Or we may look at their past and say, hey, this person can't be serious about Christ because look at all the things they've done. And we, we become like the Pharisees. It becomes a, uh, a religion of works and good deeds and not a re- religion of grace and redemption. And re- his redemption has no bounds. Even Paul himself says in 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 16, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me, in the, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul, the persecutor of the church, comes to you says, hey, I want to be a part of your church. And you knew that he was a murderer. 
He was a thief. He was a liar. What do you say to him? You say, come on in. The church is full of murderers and thieves and liars. <laughs> or do you say, we, God's grace ends where your sin begins. You're too far gone. Because if that's true, then where does that leave you? The liars, Jesus came for the sick, not the, not the hill. He came to save the sinners. It says in verse 15 of uh, 1 Timothy 12 through 16, verse 15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy, all, worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Not to save the saved, <laughs> but to save sinners. And Paul would, Paul, Saul, Paul, <laughs> would say that he was the chief of sinners at times. But he has obtained mercy. He has been redeemed. Isaiah 43, 4 says, since you are precious and honored in our sight. That's what Barnabas saw. Precious and honored in God's sight. He saw that you are chosen. Ephesians 1, 4 through 7 says, just as he chose us into him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to his good pleasure of his will. In verse 7 it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, no other way, not because of our works, not because of my good deeds, not because of how handsome or cute you may be, but it is because of the blood. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is what Barnabas saw when he saw Paul. He didn't see the murderer, the blasphemer, but he saw that God chose him just like he chose me. Saul was justified by faith. We have peace in God through Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope in the glory of God. And we are reconciled to him, holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. This is what Barnabas saw in Paul. Saul. So one, he had a spirit of encouragement. He, secondly, he saw past his faults and sins and saw Saul the way God saw Saul. And then two, Barnabas was intentional about getting with Saul. In Acts 11, 25, it says, Then Barnabas departed from Tarsus to seek Saul. So this wasn't a fly-by-night, hey, uh, I'm going to get you in with these apostles, and then I'm going to leave you be because I really don't want anything with you. But the Lord pressed on his heart to, hey, let me do life with this person. That's why he was a son of an encourager. He was known as the encourager, so he wasn't called Barnabas. Because it wasn't just about, hey, let me just pat you on the back and get you in, and then I'm done with you. But he said, no, I need to seek him out. I need to disciple him. I need to show him the ropes. And he realized there may be an anointing on, on Paul. What do you imagine if Barnabas did not do this for Paul? 
Barnabas, when Paul came, Saul came to the disciples and wanted to be a part of them, and Barnabas said, I don't know him. I wouldn't worry about him, you guys. He is the persecutor of the church. He did murder some of our friends. Some people we knew were stoned because of him. Yeah, he hasn't changed. You know, get rid of him. You know, let's not talk to him. What if Barnabas did that to Paul? Yeah, it wouldn't go over well. <laughs> and I would say that God probably had a way, but God's way was Barnabas. And maybe God's way to the circle of friends around you is you. And you don't know who you may impact, who you may influence, and how many souls they may win because of your discipleship, because of you imparting in their lives, and because of you seeing them the way God sees them and not the way the world has described them. You seeing past their past, and you see into their future. And you're saying, hey, you know what? Um, yeah, you've made some mistakes. Maybe you've done some things to me personally that I don't like. But I know God can redeem. I know God can change hearts and minds. I know God can heal if you open your heart. I know God can deliver. And so, therefore, I'm going to look past your past and see you the way God sees you now that you have proclaimed him as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Be intentional. Barnabas was intentional about getting with, with Saul. Barnabas was called by the Holy Spirit to go with Paul on a missionary journey. Uh, so one, uh, Acts eleven twenty five through 26, it says, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Paul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And so here, here's, here's uh, Barnabas seeking out Saul, bringing him in, and they minister for a whole year together. And so then after that, the Holy Spirit falls upon Barnabas, and the Holy Spirit talks to Barnabas and says, hey, I want you and Paul to go on a missionary journey. Uh, and then they bring Barnabas's cousin, John Mark, which is also the writer of Mark, with them to serve as an assistant. We see that in Acts 13, 1 through 5. I'm not going to go through the details of this. What happens is, you know, again, Barnabas is seeking out um, Saul. He's been intentional. He's just not letting this be, uh, uh, you know, a, a quaint, an acquaintance or an associate. But he's intentional about, hey, let me disciple this. And you'll find in the early parts of Acts, it's Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. And eventually it becomes Paul and Saul, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, and eventually it just becomes Paul because Paul gets a greater platform, and then Paul gets called to the Gentiles, and they both are going to missionary for those, but then Paul becomes the one, the writer of uh, most of the New Testament. And so how great of the work that Barnabas do to know that my disciple Paul now is here, and he's, he's taken off. And if it had not been for what I had done, and I'm not saying that Barnabas was arrogant and saying it was him, it was the Holy Spirit, really. 
uh, in him, to encourage him, to do life with him, looking past his past, not saying, hey, you are a murderer, you are a blasphemer, yeah, you don't belong with us. But he wanted him, he knew what was in him. So he moved past that and was intentional about being with Saul. So let me ask you, I know we started with you thinking about what the person impacted your spiritual life and and brought you to where you are. What if that person said, I don't want to get involved in your life? What if that person decided not to disciple you? What if that person said, you know what, you know, um, whoever you are, (laughs) all your names, I don't have time for this. Would you be where you are right now? And I know sometimes our sometimes our disciples are our parents, and they have no choice. <laughs> uh, but sometimes they're pastors. I I, um, I think I was impacted most. I was in high school in a ministry back in my hometown in North Carolina, and uh, we started going to a, a different church when I was in high school. And that pastor probably don't realize how impactful he was in my life. And the because uh, a lot that I do now, I thought about it this week was man, you know. He was very intelligent <laughs> and used a lot of big words, which really, uh, you know, impacted me. Like, oh, I was a nerd at the time and maybe still is. Um, <laughs> but uh, it really impacted me because he really brought the word to life to me. And um, he really was a student of the word. And so he knew the word. And I was really impressed by that. And I was really impressed by uh you know, the depth, the knowledge that he had, and he would use the Greek, and he would uh, esergeed and bring out different things. And I was like, man, this is really neat. I didn't know that. And, and here I am now looking at the Greek and bringing out those. And that's how I study the word. Uh, I break it down. And I, and, I, and I thought about that, and I said, man, that's because of Pastor Williams. Um, man, that was impactful in my life even now and how I uh, am a uh, student of the word. And really just not, I don't read just to read passively, but I want to know what every word means, <laughs> and what it meant then, and what it means now, and how it impacts those people then, and how, what I can glean from that even now. But I think about, what if he wasn't there? You know, what if he chose not to take the call of a pastor at that point? And how would my life be different? And so I challenge you, there are people in your sphere of influence, in your neighborhood, at your job, in the supermarket, at the restaurant, uh, that need to hear from you. And even more so, there are people who need for you to disciple them. Who need, they need to grow, and you need to grow. And so by discipling them, you're going to get in your word and you're going to read the word and then you're going to give the word to them and then they're going to ask you questions and then you're going to go back to the word to make sure you have the answers to those questions and you're going to give it to them and then they're going to grow some more and they're going to challenge you and you're going to read the word so that you know when they challenge you with certain things and ask certain questions, you have answers to that and you're going to go and feed it back to them. That's what it is. So it's not even, sometimes discipleship we think it is about the other person, which it is. But it's also about your growth, your, the challenge in you. 
And so many times we shy away from being a disciple, intimately talking to people, because they may challenge us and we are like, I don't know what to say. I don't know the answer. But I don't, I, I don't know how to respond to that. Well, I challenge you to respond as Barnabas in that one, you're going to respond to be an encourager. You're going to respond to being, <laughs> uh, seeing past their faults and sin. And we're going to respond to be intentional. This is not just, hey, this is a friend and we're going to do life and lackadaisical. But we're intentional about meeting with people and loving them through their mess so that we see the redeemed version of them the way God sees them as well. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.